are listening to Perplexity. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Perplexity, a mystery podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kadra, and I have a very creepy, interesting topic for you guys today. We're going to be talking about twin telepathy and doppelgangers. Is it real? Are they real? Is there any science behind twin telepathy? Uh, anything to explain doppelgangers? Have there been any credible sightings of doppelgangers? We will get into all of that in just a few minutes. Very quickly, I just want to say hello to everyone and let you know if you're new here, welcome. I tell tales every single week that have perplexed me. So if you are a mystery lover, you love a mystery that leaves you wanting more, you are in the right place. And I would encourage you to check out my new stories every week. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can hit the subscribe button if you enjoy. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, add this show to your list. And I would love if you left a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. Each time you do that, it drives me up the charts and that is much appreciated. In other news, I am still releasing all that new exclusive bonus content on Patreon. So if you want more, if you are just so perplexed and you need more and more mysteries, it's just three bucks a month, less than a cup of coffee. And I am telling creepy stories from the internet, personal stories. I'm releasing regular episodes early and you're first in line for listener requests. There's lots of perks. And of course, there's going to be tons of other things coming. I'm planning to cover a documentary series soon. I haven't decided which one yet because there's so many good ones. But get on there if you want more. Uh, and last announcement is kind of a corrections corner. Uh, the collaboration that I announced last week with the new podcast, Cryptids, Creeps, and Conspiracy with Natasha, that episode uh, actually came out January 24th. So I said the wrong date there. I apologize. Um, I think that is today <laughs> or at the time this episode will drop, it will be uh, today. So check that out if you want to hear me talking about conspiracy theories in a minute or less with Natasha. It's a pretty discombobulated, unscripted episode. Okay, so we're going to get into the story now, but I do just want to issue a quick trigger warning. This podcast is not for children. I do enjoy my fair share of cursing, and this may not be for you. It's going to have some creepy and paranormal elements, so listener discretion is advised. And as always, the sources that were used for today's episode will be down in the show notes. So making up just about 3% of the population, or about one in every 30 babies born in the United States, twins have always been a fascinating topic of discussion. Why is it that so many twins live incredibly close lives, wearing the same clothes, doing everything together, living together even in adulthood? And what's up with all of these stories of feeling your twin's physical pain and even reading their mind? Do these claims of twin telepathy and ESP have any legitimacy? Let's get into it. 
So just to clarify for everyone who may not know, telepathy is the process of assessing thoughts or feelings without help from sensory input, like sight, sound, or touch. So like reading minds, essentially. ESP, which stands for extrasensory perception, is a term more commonly thrown around in the paranormal world. It's defined as the ability to acquire information without relying on physical senses or previous experiences. So this could be incorrect, but from what I gathered researching this, ESP is a bit more of a general umbrella term, if you will. It involves acquiring information in the paranormal sense, uh, like thoughts, feelings, facts, and events, whereas telepathy is specific to reading minds. And I'm pointing this out because these terms are kind of used interchangeably throughout these accounts. So let's start to get into some alleged experiences of twin telepathy. On April 2nd, 1781, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, wrote about a young woman in his journal that he knew had a twin sister. Wesley would say, quote, between whom and her, there is so strange a sympathy that if either of them is ill or particularly affected at any time, the other is so likewise, end quote. One night when both twins were sleeping, they also had the same dream. And this dream was that one of their servants was really upset to the point where the servant was actually planning to murder their mother. And he later admitted to plans to do this. Twin telepathy has also played a prominent part in a lot of films and novels, including Alexandra Dumas's novel, The Corsican Brothers from 1844, which writes about a pair of conjoined Siamese twins at birth. And here's a quote from the book. We had to be separated with a scalpel which means that however far apart we are now, we still have one and the same body. So that whatever impression, physical or mental, one of us perceives has its after effect on the other, end quote. And when I read this, it kind of made me think of uh, like ghost limb syndrome when people go through amputations and they like feel that limb is still there. But I feel like this would be on an even more amplified level if you like, shared this body with someone and then all of a sudden y'all are separated. It's like one and the same, but you have to go on to live separate lives. That I would imagine that's really traumatic. He goes on to mention that he has just been feeling profoundly sorrowful and he was having terrible pangs. So like awful pain stinging sensations. And then he concluded that his brother, who was then 600 miles away, must be feeling the same. He later found out that his brother had been killed in a duel. So those horrible pangs that he was experiencing, he theorized that he was actually feeling his twin brother tragically being killed. How insane is that? And in 1882, the founding of the Society for Psychical Research, or the SPR, started to talk more about this concept of telepathy. SPR founder members Edmund Gurney, Frederick Myers, and Frank Podmore were very fascinated by the concept of twins. 
they ended up interviewing thousands of people, combing through their stories to find any possible proof of psychic experiences between sets of twins. The SPR would later say about this, on the superstition that a natural bond between two persons is a favorable condition for telepathic influence, there's one group of people among whom we might expect to find a disproportionate number of instances, namely twins. So the SPR was kind of like the first big group that we know of to start talking about this publicly and say like, hey, we're kind of picking up some strange things going on uh, with people having different, you know, psychokinetic telepathic abilities. And it seems like this is even stronger in twins. You know, they form these very special bonds. So they started researching it, interviewing tons of people, and they would later publish five of what they considered to be their best cases, all investigated in extreme detail and cases they allegedly witnessed firsthand. So witnessing proof of this alleged twin telepathy. Each of these five cases described remote awareness of a death or a life-threatening incident that involved a distant twin. Even one example, uh, one of the twins was in Canada and the other one was all the way in China when they started having these weird experiences. In no case was any kind of good news the subject of a telepathic message. So it seems like they would only pick up on these uh, feelings of telepathy or ESP when something unfortunate was happening to the other twin. The SPR pioneers felt justified in describing their work as, quote, the foundation stone of a study which will loom large in the approaching era, end quote. Now, I do want to say, before we get too far into this, that there's been some debates and allegations as to how much the SPR made up and if they were, you know, scammers or not. Uh, and also, unfortunately, there's very little scientific evidence and very few studies that have been able to quantify or confirm twin telepathy. This is going to be a lot of anecdotal evidence, but it's still very interesting. So despite the limited amount of tangible evidence, twins continue by and large to report the following experiences, just to name a few. Number one, enhanced emotional or physical connection with their counterpart. Number two, knowing something is wrong. Number three, feeling physical sensations when their other twin has been hurt. Number four, buying the same items when not together. So maybe buying the same clothing or buying the same things at the grocery store. Number five, picking up the phone to call each other at the same time. And number six, knowing each other's thoughts. These reports often seem to be more common with identical twins too, uh, but they still occur with fraternal twins. So one of the theories about this, and I don't know genetics, so this could be totally <laughs> incorrect, but one of the theories is like identical twins have more of these experiences because their DNA is even more similar than fraternal twins. Um, just read that online. Don't quote me. Now, to be a bit of a skeptic here and play devil's advocate, I'm sure a lot of you have also experienced these same feelings firsthand if you've spent a lot of time with somebody. It could be a parent, a sibling, uh, a partner, 
I know me myself, I've had experiences like this with my sister where all of a sudden we just look at each other and we say the exact same thing or we start singing the exact same song, start doing the same thing. And it always seems to happen when you're spending a lot of time with that person. A psychological theory about this that basically the more time that we spend with someone, we learn to read their facial expressions, we build a lot of empathy for them, we pick up their cues, and this is known as mirroring. So basically, you know, we're just in sync with each other. Makes sense to me. But then, and this is one of the kickers for me that leaves me perplexed about this whole twin telepathy concept is there are still stories about twins who never met each other until they maybe became adults. They were raised in separate households on other sides of the country, led totally different lives, and then they meet each other and they have very similar styles, tastes, uh, similar personalities. So my big question is, um, and I don't think we're gonna find the answer to this, but how much of this is genetic and sharing DNA? Uh, how much of this could be a unique paranormal or spiritual ability? Or is this something that the mind is capable of that we just simply don't know about yet? We haven't studied it enough. So just some things to be thinking about as we get into some stories that are, yes, perplexing, but also containing anecdotal evidence. According to Benjamin Radford, MD from Live Science, in 2009, a British teenager named Gemma Houghton or Houghton was in her home when she suddenly had a feeling that her fraternal twin sister, Leanne, needed help. She was in some kind of crisis and Gemma could sense it. Gemma would later say, quote, I just got this feeling to check on her. So I went up to the bathroom and she was under the water, end quote. Gemma found Leanne in a bathtub, unconscious. It turned out that Leanne had suffered a seizure, and as a result of that, she accidentally slipped under the water, and she almost drowned to death. Gemma immediately called for help, and she administered first aid, which ultimately saved Leanne's life. The story of Gemma and Leanne has been widely cited as an example of twin telepathy. Some other phrases you can commonly hear in these experiences is telepathic bond and sixth sense. However, this case may not be as inexplicable as it first appears. Leanne had a known seizure disorder. She had experienced a lot of similar fits in the past and the rest of her family, including her sister, had been warned to keep an eye on her. So perhaps this was Gemma's subconscious and that empathy, that you know, mirroring that she had with her, she built this strong bonds. She was already worried about her. So then it's like her gut was just telling her something was wrong. And as per usual, Reddit always has some interesting stories about these things. These are allegedly true. In the twins forum, you can find a lot of these experiences. One of the stories I found came from Reddit user no-p9713. So they said, quote, my twin and I are monoamniotic, identical twins that share the same amniotic sac meaning also a placenta. We have a pretty strong twin telepathy and have too many experiences to remember. One example I'll never forget though is when he broke his arm. We were about six years old and he fell at the playground. 
I was at my grandma's house across town and suddenly started crying. I knew something was wrong. I told my grandma and she called my mom. She went outside of the apartment complex to the playground and found him. He indeed had a broken arm. End quote. Several other Reddit users in this same thread chimed in saying that they don't need words to communicate with their twins. Uh, one user talked about how they live thousands of miles from their twin and they often buy the same items without discussing it. And they always know when the other person is about to call before the phone rings. One Reddit user even claimed she knew her twin was pregnant before they did. There was also a BuzzFeed article that had quite a few stories from people in the BuzzFeed community, so I'll read a few. This one comes from Hermie Ella. After my twin brother went out with friends, I became very nervous, tossing and turning on the couch with nightmares. I saw flashes of things like a cop car and sirens. My mother rushed out of the house after receiving a phone call and brought my brother back, who was in shock and non-responsive. The next day, he just hugged me and we cried, and he told me that a white car had chased him and his friends through the breezeway, trying to run them over." End quote. Another story comes from Michelle31096. In fourth grade, my twin brother and I sent, got sent down to the principal for cheating on our essays. We'd written almost the same thing word for word, but we were in different classes and never discussed them. Then in seventh grade, he broke his collarbone in a soccer game. I was home at the time and he had no knowledge of it, but started to complain to my mom about a sudden sharp pain on the side of his chest. Turns out it was the same side where his collarbone had broken. And this one comes from Alex in 40592E0D. When I was a kid, I would have seizures in the middle of the night when I was sleeping. On the nights I would have seizures, my twin would wake up and have weird tunnel vision. My room would gradually grow lighter and lighter, then darker and darker. For her, this was a sign that I was going to have a seizure. She would run to my parents and alert them, giving them the opportunity to be with me during my grand mal seizures and get me to the hospital. If that does not prove twins' brains have a weird connection, I don't know what does, end quote. So I feel like this is one of those things where it, like, it could be so many things, right? Like, like I mentioned earlier, it could be a sixth sense. It could be something in the mind we don't know about, you know? It could be something paranormal. Uh, it could be, you know, those premonitions. Uh, some of these seem to happen when people are sleeping, and we've talked before about, like, primitive dreams, and being able to predict things, you know, how it's easier to suspect that things are going to happen and predict things might happen through dreams. Uh, some people theorize that our dreams could be trying to tell us things. So, you know, it could just, it could be so many things. It could also just be coincidence, right? So it's hard to say. There's several other stories that I read in this article about twins having the exact same dreams or even having conversations with each other in their sleep. So check out that link in the show notes if you want to read more of these stories from the BuzzFeed article. Okay, so now let's start to get into a creepier side of this twins concept. 
doppelgangers. Doppelganger is a German word that means double walker or double goer. And it's similar to a twin, but it differs in the fact that these are a mysterious person, uh, the exact double of a living person that are not related. They're strangers living in other areas of the world in different families. They're more than just a lookalike too. So sometimes if you like Google celebrity doppelgangers, it'll be like two famous people that kind of look alike or something. That's not a doppelganger. That's just a lookalike. A doppelganger is someone who has like an exact, like they look exactly like that person and they have like the same mannerisms and personality. They walk, act, and talk the same. They dress identical to you. It's like a ghostly version of deja vu. A friend or even a close relative who encounters your doppelganger will swear it was you, even though you can prove you were not in the location that this double was sighted in. So how could these just be cases of mistaken identity in situations where these people are cited by your closest friends and loved ones? Even more perplexing, sightings and reports of doppelgangers have, have been going on for centuries. There are many cultures who have written about them, including the Norse people and the Egyptians. In ancient Egyptian mythology, a Ka was a tangible spirit double, having the same memories and feelings as the person to whom the counterpart belongs. Similarly, the concept of alter egos and double spirits has appeared in a lot of folklore and myths, uh, religious concepts, and traditions of many cultures throughout human history. There's even an ancient legend, and I thought this was so interesting, uh, with fairies. And the legend says that fairies are known to kidnap people and replace them with a doppelganger known as a changeling. Some people believe that everybody has a doppelganger. A great deal of superstition has also developed around doppelgangers with many people saying that they're sinister or evil entities. They can be a bad omen. Doppelgangers are also frequently used as a plot device in literature, television, and movies. One of the most famous examples of this is the doppelganger in Edgar Allan Poe's short story, William Wilson. In this tale, the main character meets his doppelganger as a child. He is followed by this copy of himself, and he, this causes a lot of trouble in the character's life. When the main character tries to do evil or unethical things, the doppelganger tries to stop him. But in a rage, the protagonist kills his doppelganger. But he realizes it's a reflection of his own self. A more modern day example of a doppelganger would be Jordan Peele's film, Us, which is super creepy and I definitely enjoyed watching it. The concept of the doppelgangers in that movie is that they're evil, they call them the tethered, and they have these doppelgangers for this entire family and they're meaning this family harm and seeking to replace them. Also, if anyone remembers that uh, Rick and Morty episode, it's like the Knight family. <laughs> same vibe. One of the most famous and well-documented cases of an alleged doppelganger comes from 1845. And this is a 32-year-old woman at the time. Her name was Emily, I think it's Sage. It's S-A-G-E-E, -E, but it could be Sagi. So we're just going to call her Emily. So Emily was a teacher 
and she taught at this elite boarding school called Pensionat von Neuwelsch, and that was in present-day Latvia. Robert Dale Owen documented this entire story in his book, Footfalls on the Boundary of Another World. He heard the story from one of the students at this school. The student's name was Julie von Gulenstub. While Emily was attractive, smart, well-liked, and a good teacher, she had been through an insane amount of teaching jobs. Over the course of 16 years, she had been employed at 18 different schools. Which, by the way, when I read this, I realized that would mean she started working at schools when she was just 16. So I don't know what the teaching requirements were back then, but that's super young. Strange. Kind of alarming. But anyway, it's 1845 and Emily starts teaching this new job at Pensionat von Neuwelsch and things are going fine, but her students all of a sudden start seeing something very strange. At the time, Emily was teaching a class of 17 girls, and all of a sudden her students, while she's in the middle of doing a lesson, start seeing this ghostly twin double appearing right next to Emily. It's like her ghostly twin. So it appears right next to her, and while Emily is writing the lesson on the blackboard, this doppelganger is mimicking her every move. She looks identical to her, except she's, like, ghostly. It stood right beside her, mocking her and imitating her movements exactly. The only difference was she didn't have chalk in her hand. Even stranger, Emily had no idea that this was happening. She couldn't see the doppelganger next to her at all. But all of her students could. The sightings continued all around the school throughout the year. She would be spotted by students sitting next to Emily. She would be eating silently and imitating Emily's movements throughout the workday. There were also times where this doppelganger would just sit in silence in the classroom while Emily taught the students. One time, Emily was helping a student get dressed up for some type of special event, and the doppelganger appeared again. This time, the student claimed that Emily and her ghostly twin were both fixing her dress for her. So Emily's like helping her get dressed and like, you know, straightening out the wrinkles and stuff and, you know, folding her collar or whatever. And this ghost doppelganger starts doing the exact same thing. How do you not freak the hell out and run away? <laughs> the student claims that after a few minutes of this, the doppelganger vanished. One of the most famous sightings of Emily's doppelganger involved a class of 42 students. The students were taking a sewing class when the supervisor of the class had to step out for a minute. So the supervisor stepped out and Emily walked in and took her place. She sat down silently and the students didn't think much of it until a student noticed Emily out the window in the garden working on the flowers. So then she's like telling her friends, like, Miss Sajay's outside. That's not our teacher. So then everyone's like looking at her, like, and you know, this has been going on and on at this point, but it's really eerie and creepy. So I guess because this had been going on for so long, they were finally were like, okay, enough of this. Let's confront this thing. So it's said that several of the girls went up to confront this doppelganger. They even attempted to touch her, and when they did this, they found that their hands could go through her. 
They claimed that they felt a sensation, though, of a, quote, bulky cobweb on their hands when they did this, end quote. Super gross. That, like, makes my stomach hurt. It was later found that this same phenomena happened at Emily's other places of employment, and she, as a result, was asked to leave those jobs. Parents even started pulling their kids out of this school and transferring them, which led to the principal ultimately having to fire Emily. People have theorized this could have also been another Emily in an alternate universe. Another famous story comes from Paris way back in the 17th century. In 1612, when a man named Isaac Walton claimed John Don, an English metaphysical poet, saw his wife's doppelganger the same night she had a stillbirth. This account first appeared in the book Life of Dr. Ritzvon Rising, which was published in 1675. Here's a quote from the publishing. Two days after their arrival there, Mr. Don was left alone in that room in which Sir Robert and he and some other friends had dinner together. To this place, Sir Robert returned within half an hour. And as he left, so he found Mr. Don alone. But in such ecstasy, and so altered as to his looks, as amazed Sir Robert to behold him, and so much that he earnestly desired Mr. Don to declare befallen him in the short time of his absence, to which Mr. Don was not able to make a present answer, but after a long and perplexing pause, did at last say, I have been a dreadful vision since I saw you. I have seen my dear wife pass twice by me through this room with her hair hanging about her shoulders and a dead child in her arms. This I have seen since I saw you. To which Sir Robert replied, Sure, sir, you have slept since I saw you, and this is the result of some melancholy dream, which I desire you to forget, for you are now awake. But Mr. Don replied, I cannot be sure that I now live, then that I have not slept since I saw you, and am assured that her second appearing she stopped, looked me in the face, and vanished. And this is the same night that the wife had the stillbirth, so I don't know if this is right when it was happening or before it happened or after, but very interesting and creepy. And another story with strangely similar parallels comes from July 8th, 1822, with another English poet. This man was named Percy Bishy Shelley. I do not know how to say that middle name. <laughs> Percy Shelley. So Shelley tragically drowned in the Bay of Spezia in Italy. About one month later, on August 15th, Percy's wife, Mary Shelley, wrote a letter in which she relayed Percy's claims to her that he had met his own doppelganger. A week after Mary's nearly fatal miscarriage, in the early hours of June 23rd, Percy had a nightmare about the house collapsing in a flood, and also, quote, Talking it over the next morning, he told me he had many visions lately. He had seen the figure of himself, which met him as he walked on the terrace, and said to him, How long do you mean to be content? No very terrific words, and certainly not prophetic, of what has occurred. But Shelley had often seen these figures when ill. But the strangest thing is, Mrs. Williams saw him. Now Jane, though a woman of sensibility, 
had not much imagination and is not in the slightest degree nervous, neither in dreams or otherwise. She was standing one day, the day before I was taken ill, June 15th, at a window that looked on the terrace with Trelawney. It was day. She saw, she saw as she thought Shelley pass by the window, as he often was then without a coat or jacket. He passed again. Now as he passed, both times the same way. And from the side towards he went, each time, there was no way to get back except past the window again. She was struck at seeing him pass twice, thus, and looked out, and seeing him no more, she cried, Good God, can Shelley have leapt from the wall? Where can he have gone? Shelley said, Trelawney, no, Shelley has passed. What do you mean? Trelawney says that she trembled exceedingly when she heard this, and proved indeed that Shelley had never been on the terrace and was far off at the time she saw him. End quote. So in both of these similar stories, they're like one is one has a stillbirth, one had a near miscarriage. One involved the husband being sighted, the other involved the wife, but it's like there's poets and then they both see them twice. And it's just very interesting. It's like, again, is this a premonition? Is this a ghost? Is this like a time loop where they're in an alternate dimension and it's just like repeating over and over. The other weird theory that I thought about is maybe it's like the person died and there's like residual energy left of their spirit and it's like they're going through the house again and again in this one spot for some reason. I don't know if that makes sense, <laughs> but anyway, I just found that very interesting. Another alleged example of a doppelganger came from June 22nd, 1893 when Vice Admiral Sir George Tiran was seen by several guests at a party. The guests said that he was walking through the drawing room of his family home. This was in Eaton Square, London. And all the guests said that when they saw Tiran, he was looking straight ahead and he didn't say a word to anyone. But they later found out that Tiran was not at this party. He was on a ship of the Mediterranean Squadron the HMS Victoria. The ship was way off the coast of Syria, and it was later discovered that that same day that these guests saw Tiran, quote-unquote, at the party, the HMS Victoria sunk and Tiran passed away. The ship had tragically collided with another ship, the HMS Camperdon. So Tiran drowned to death, which makes me wonder if he drowned at the exact moment that these people saw his doppelganger or ghost at the party. There's also the popular story of King Umberto I of Italy. This story tells about the king going out for lunch one day, and he walks into a restaurant and realizes the owner was his dead ringer double. The man was also called Umberto. He was born in the same town on the same day, married a woman with the same name on the same day as him, and he also had a son that he named Vittorio, just like the king. Both were decorated for bravery at the same ceremony twice. And years later, the king is out one day, and he gets word from somebody that this doppelganger he had met at the restaurant had been shot and killed in a shooting accident, and then just a few hours later, someone shot and killed King Umberto. 
Some people claim that this could be an embellished story, but still very interesting. There's even a website called twinstrangers.net where you can allegedly find your real-life doppelganger. But some people have talked about this online, saying that they ran into quite a bit of trouble trying to find their own doppelganger. So to close us out, I thought I would read some allegedly true current creepy stories from Reddit about run-ins with the doppelganger, since all the stories I just read before are like a lot older ones. So I picked out three, but there's tons more you can read for yourself. Reddit user Lu says, This happened when I was eight years old. I saw my dad in the bathroom, wiping himself after the shower. But the problem is, he was supposed to be in the office at that time. So I asked him, Dad, when did you come home? He didn't say anything. I asked again, and he closed the bathroom door on my face. I went from the room and didn't think much of it. 20 minutes later, mom gave me and my little bro lunch. So we three people, mom, me, and my little bro, sat to eat lunch. I asked mom, why aren't we waiting for dad? She laughed and said, why would we? He's going to come home at night. I told her, but dad is home. And then I explained to her. We searched the entire house, but we couldn't find him. Creepy, right? After eating, me and my little bro fell asleep. Mom stayed awake to watch TV. I woke to mom's scream. I rushed to look for her. Found her before that bathroom door. She hugged me and couldn't talk. I looked at the bathroom. It was empty. Asked mom what happened. She said she saw dad. Dad was there. But why would he appear out of nowhere? She asked him, when did he come home? and said she saw that thing that looked like dad make a horribly creepy face. So she screamed. And in no time I was there, and that thing disappeared. Later, dad came at night, and I told him everything. I don't remember what we did after, but we moved out. Um, yeah, probably a good idea. <laughs> Get the fuck out of that house. It's also interesting, like, in all of these stories, the doppelgangers never talk, so it's like they don't have the ability to communicate with people in our reality, but we can see them. It makes me wonder if they can see us, if this is even true. It's also interesting that in this story, the doppelganger was able, though, to touch the door in our reality and close it. Okay, this other story comes from Reddit user Boss's Wife. My husband saw my doppelganger in our hallway last night. We live in an old farmhouse, and we have had many paranormal and unexplained spirits, noises, etc. We have had paranormal investigators to our house, and we are waiting on the report. Okay, I want to hear that report when it comes out. <laughs> okay, so she says, Last night, I was in the bathtub. My husband came in, in the bathroom to wash his hands, and went back out to do laundry. He was in the laundry room and looked through the kitchen and saw what he thought was me in the hallway, buck naked. He called my name and he said that she turned her face towards him and gave a look like she didn't know who he was. 
Then she walked a step behind a column, and our son came out from the same column from the opposite way. Our son asked who my husband was talking to and said that he didn't see me, or this thing, I guess. My husband came into the bathroom where I was still in the tub. He made me swear that I hadn't left the tub. He was very freaked out, and he made us follow him from room to room the rest of the night and announce ourselves if we came into a room where he was. He had spoken to a medium a few months ago, and she's coming Saturday to bless us and our home. She said she would try to see what spirits are there and try to release them. She told me before to place black salt around our doorways and four corners of our home. So creepy. Okay, one last story. This comes from Reddit user The Last of the Wolves. Hello, everyone. This experience occurred in February of this year, so my memory is pretty clear in regards to detail. This past year was my senior year of college, and I was thrilled to be living in an alumni off my sorority, and I was thrilled to be living with an alumni of my sorority who I'm very close with. We'll call her Abby for clarity's sake. Abby and I weren't actually supposed to live in the apartment we ended up in. We were originally going to be living in a townhouse with two other girls. But they started so much drama a month before we were supposed to move in that we had to contact our landlord to find a different place within their company to live. Thankfully, we found a two-bedroom, one-bathroom basement apartment in a quiet area off campus. The first month was fine and without incident, but as the days went by, some strange things began to happen in the apartment. One morning, Abby woke up to a kitchen cabinet open. She wasn't that concerned about it and figured that I'd just forgotten to shut it the night before. The next morning, though, a different cabinet was open. Once again, she shrugged it off. However, I went home one weekend and she woke up to find every cabinet in the kitchen wide open and the sink running. Needless to say, Abby was scared and spent the night at her boyfriend's. Sorry, quick aside, what is up with paranormal hauntings in homes and them opening the cabinets? Like, it's always the cabinets. Why? What are you, what are you looking for? Two weeks later, we were watching TV and heard the bathroom door close. I tried to calm Abby down by saying that the fan we kept in the bathroom blew it closed. However, we went to bed and we thought we could hear someone walking around in our living room. There's no way someone broke into our apartment and hid the whole day only to come out at night and screw around with us. I was home the whole day, and Abby was home from 11 in the morning on. That incident took place shortly before Christmas break, and all this calm in the apartment until February. And all was calm in the apartment until February. Abby had gone home for the weekend, and I was home alone, relaxing on the couch and doing homework. It was pretty late at night, so I turned on the TV for background noise and curled up on the couch to sleep. I woke up at 2.32 in the morning to see Abby walking through the front door, smiling but not saying anything. I blinked, still groggy from sleep, and asked if she was okay. She just looked at me and proceeded to take off her shoes and walk into the kitchen. Something about her didn't seem right. Like this girl looked like Abby and walked like her. 
but it wasn't her. I asked her again if she was okay, because it was so early in the morning for her to be coming home. She looked at me, smiled, and began washing something in the sink. Something inside me felt a profound sense of dread, like I was in actual danger and needed to get away. As quickly as possible, I went to my room and locked my door. My roommate followed me because I heard someone tapping their finger against the door. Once, twice, three times, four times, five times. It wouldn't stop. I didn't say another word because it felt like if I did acknowledge her, it gave her more strength. I know that doesn't make much sense. Oh, girl, it makes sense. But that was my instinct. I curled up beneath my blankets and stared at my bedroom door, almost waiting for her to kick it in. My eyes felt heavy, and the tapping was almost like a metronome, enticing me to sleep. As I drifted back to sleep, the taps seemed to slow down to a trickle. The morning after, I was exhausted. It felt like I had taken 20 Advil PM to help me sleep, but I remembered everything that had happened last night. Cautiously, I left my room and saw that Abby's bed hadn't been disturbed or slept in. I went to the living room, and her shoes and purse were not there. A cold feeling crept into my spine as I sent her a text asking her if she had come home that night. She responded, no, she hadn't and wouldn't be coming home for another two days. But I checked the sink and the bowl that Abby had been cleaning and put away. I firmly believe I was not dreaming or hallucinating. And I know this wasn't some elaborate prank by Abby because she would never do something like that. I firmly believe something took the shape of Abby that night and that its intentions were not good. There were a few other experiences in that apartment, but nothing so dramatic as what I went through that night. I'm sorry if this post isn't very exciting or dramatic. <laughs> Girl, are you kidding? <laughs> but I thought it was worth sharing to get everyone's thoughts on it. Was this a doppelganger? Wow. The other thing I wondered is, like, there's other entities that can take on the form and, like, mimic people, like skinwalkers, which we've talked about before. So I was like, oh, it could be a ghost, it could be a time loop, it could be a doppelganger, a skinwalker, it could be a hallucination, like, you know, just so many things it could be. But to wrap everything up, that is the perplexing concept of twin telepathy and doppelgangers. And I want to hear from you guys. Have you ever had an experience like this yourself? Like, have you ever seen someone else's doppelganger or your own? Uh, do you have a twin? And if so, have you had these kind of ESP telepathic experiences? I would love to hear all about it down in the comments. I also want to hear if you guys think there, there's any legitimacy to these alleged sightings or these concepts. And if you enjoyed, I would love it so much if you would add this show to your list, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you want even more bonus content, you can support me and get that exclusive content on Patreon for just $3 a month. Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot wait to bring you all a perplexing tale next week. I hope you all have a great week. Hope you all stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Perplexity, a mystery podcast. 
hosted, written, and produced by Kadra Brennan. If you enjoyed today's episode, tell the world about it by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leaving a five-star review. It helps the show more than you know. Contact, support, and merch links can be found in the episode description. And if you have a story to share or a topic request, send an email to perplexitymysterypodcast at gmail.com. Cager would love to read your story on the podcast. Until next week, stay curious.